Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's up, PD? Hey, Will. And also Eric Seeds. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? Guys, we've got hockey. We've got hockey this week. Woo! Exactly. So yeah, right into that. Uh, the, the biggest news, I guess, outside of any, you know, the very important stuff happening. But from the hockey perspective, Blue Jackets are in the bubble. Lots of, you know, the roster announcements are, have come out. Uh, I'm just going to start with UPD. What are your thoughts on the roster? Uh, any surprises or was it pretty much what you expected? Yeah, so for the the 31-man bubble roster itself, uh, no surprises there. Uh, of the guys that were in camp, Ryan McKinnis, Cole Sherwood, and Benny Vevelinen didn't make the cut. Um, but there's no, no real surprises there. No real losses there. Um, I mean, it's such a, a, a large roster that a lot of these guys aren't going to play anyway, unless we go really deep and there's a lot of injuries and that sort of thing. I thought there was maybe a chance they would have gone with four goalies just for a lot of extra security and extra help in practice. But, um, again, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Uh, maybe Adam Clendenning was a surprise for me because, uh, he's the only guy on the list who didn't play for the Jackets this year. I think he may have gotten called up a few times, but he didn't actually play for the Jackets this season. Um, and so that's 11 defensemen, which is a lot to have five spares, but they ended up meeting a lot last year in the playoffs. So again, if they want that security, yeah, that's fine with me. How about you, Seeds? Right, yeah, given given our injury track record this year, you keep, yeah, given our injury track record <laughs> this year, having a lot of extra defensemen probably can't hurt. Because we know, we all, I mean, let's be real, guys. We all know Ryan Murray's, you know, coming down with COVID tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, laugh, in all seriousness, yeah, I don't yeah. really think there, I don't really, yeah, we laugh, but um, I don't really think there were any surprises. Um, it was, it's good to see uh, guys like Stenland come up. Uh, Clendenning, like you said, PD, he didn't play this year. He played fine last year, I guess, when he was here. Um, but if we, if we need guys like, you know, a Nathan Gerby or, a, uh, an Adam Clendenning, we've, we've got bigger problems and we're probably not advancing anyway, especially if we, as we go deeper into this tournament and, um, we sh- I guess we should also mention of guys who made the roster. They brought Josh Anderson along. Um, not really a surprise. Uh, most people thought that he was going to have a chance to come back if they, if the Jackets made a little bit of a run, um. Kind of un- obviously, he's probably not going to play against Toronto, given he hasn't practiced with the roster. He didn't practice on Monday uh, before, but it's good to see him there. It's good to see him out skating and doing some drills with the guys. Uh, you know, he he looked okay out there. He looked like he was moving around just fine. So, hopefully, if we beat Toronto, we can get him back. Maybe because you know, last year Josh was instrumental in play in our sweep against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He scored the shorthanded goal to tie the game in game one and kind of, you know, really put the lightning on their heels there. Um, Josh is a big, fast guy, and it's hard to teach size and speed in the NHL. So 
if we can get him back against whoever we are seated up against, that's that'd be huge. But yeah, no surprises with the roster, and it's just nice to be able to see their actual hockey news. These guys went to the bubble, and things are actually seen. Yeah, um, so they were showing their projected lines, and I guess not really a surprise, but like, did you guys expect someone like Foligno to be on the first lines, which is a lot of what we saw during the season, but was that kind of a surprise, or did you figure based on, I don't know, just from what we saw, or yeah, I think C- no one's going to see this on, on our Zoom, but I think Seeds' reaction is what I expected. When I did the forward lineups, when I did the forward matchup, I was like, He's doing doing the full I was on like, baseball. I was like, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna put Fino on the first line, but I was like, of course they're gonna put him on the first line. I don't know if it's a veteran thing. I get it. I get a guy like I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so let, let let's run it down. So the Blue Jackets PR tweeted this out today, which is unusual for them to tweet practice lines. But since there's no media at practices, it's nice that they're doing that to let us know what's happening. Uh, so we have Fino, Dubois, Bjorkstrand on the first line. Then Nyquist, Jenner, Atkinson, Texier, Winberg, Benstrom, and Robinson, Nash, Foodie. Now, I also need to put in the disclaimer that, you know, practice lines aren't necessarily how the usage will actually happen in a game. We know that Torts plays the hot lines more. We also know that he's willing to line blend within a game, which I would expect we'd see a lot of. This also might not be what the lines are come Sunday. You know, maybe this is what will start out on Thursday against Boston, but depending on how that game goes, he might shuffle things up. Um, I thought it was interesting on, I think it was Friday after practice, Torts was asked, you know, are things settled now? And he said, no, that they're not. Um, and what I thought was really interesting that he said, obviously, you know, like the, the top two defensive pairs, we know what those are going to be. It's going to be Rensky Jones, Gabrikov, and Savard. Okay, that was set in stone. Everything else is kind of in flux, but he did say that there were some pairs of forwards that he knew were going to be together. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, okay, what two forwards might be together and with different wings or centers shifting in. So like Dubois and Bjorkstrand, it makes sense that those guys would be together and those probably would be a first line. But Felino might be just penciled in on their left wing for now. That might change. Maybe like a Liam Foote, if he plays really well, might get bumped up to there. Um, I could see maybe Wenberg and Bemstrom. They played well together at times this year. I mean, Wenberg can pass really well. Bemstrom can shoot really well. Maybe Wenberg can set up for some one-timers. That could be interesting. I could see maybe Nyquist and Atkinson as wings, but maybe it's Wenberg between them. Maybe it's Jenner between them. You know, who knows how, how that goes. Uh, the line I'm really interested in is that fourth line because um, Robinson and Foodie are both super, super fast. Those might might be the two fastest skaters on the team. Uh, and Nash, he can play defense, he can pass. So I could see that line producing some breakaway chances, which can yeah. be really, really exciting. Yeah, um, I think the, like you said, I, I don't think these lines are set in stone, especially we all know John Tortorella likes to mix the lines in the game. So it doesn't super matter how they how they line up, at, at least to start. Um I don't, I mean, y- y'all know I don't like Nick Felino on the top line. I don't, I just think that's not his game anymore. Um, I don't want him matching up against a Matthews and a Marner. I just, I don't, I, I don't think, I, I know he had a very good defensive year, but I don't, I don't think he's as fleet of foot as a guy that I would want out there against that line, especially when you've got Dubois and Bjorkstrand out there ostensibly to score goals and kind of keep us in the game and take advantage of that. Not so great Toronto defense. Um, I wouldn't. I would. I really wouldn't mind like a Felino Jenner Atkinson line because that not only could that line you know grind some goals. You know you got a finisher out there in Atkinson. You know Felino had a very excellent defensive year. Jenner is relied on as like a defensive specialist, even though that might not entirely be his game. But at least he wins faceoffs. He's the only center on like team who wins faceoffs. Um, I like 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 you said, PD. I'm really intrigued by that uh, that Robinson and Foodie pairing. I really really like the speed with that because I don't know. Um, I, I I went I went to the like just an aside. I went to the development camp a couple years ago uh, after they drafted Foodie, and I made the comment in our Slack afterward that like I've never seen a faster skater in 
Union Blue. Like, that kid can just fly. So I think it's very clear that he and Robinson are the two, easily the two fastest guys who are active for this series. I don't know where Josh Anderson slots in there, but as far as speed for this series goes, those guys oh, yeah. just fly. So, like, if so, now that we're talking about the lines, I want to get to what I think is the biggest issue with them. Not, and it's not Alex Winberg, surprisingly, <laughs> guys. Can I, I really? I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a rant, and then I want one of you guys to try and explain this. What is Dean Kukin doing in the lineup? I don't know. I was thinking about that Navarro? too. Like I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I just fundamentally don't get it. I don't know if Nunavar has fallen out of, you know, as, to use a soccer parlance. I don't know if he's fallen out of favor with the coaching staff or if he's like not recovered from injury. I, I know Kukin stepped up and played well, especially last year in the playoff. I think. On a pure talent level, Marcus Nunavara is just better than Dean Kukin. And he's a, he's a puck mover. He makes solid plays when he's healthy. Remember last year in the Toronto Maple Leaf, or in the, in the Tampa Bay Lightning series, where he uh, cleared the puck off the goal yeah, line in, yeah. I think, game one to keep right. us even in that game. Uh, he, had, he had the biggest save of the night to, you know. <laughs> Like I don't, I, I just don't understand why why you take why you take a new Devar out unless unless he's nursing an injury that we don't yeah. know about or well I, I just don't know I, 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 yeah. I that's that's my one qualm with the- yeah I know Tortorello mentioned I don't know now maybe he said something since maybe he's there's certain players that were specified I'm kind of I don't I, unless I heard unless they came out I didn't hear it but I know he mentioned that there's a few players that he wanted to see more from maybe Nudavar is one of those guys I have no idea yeah so. Yeah, you, you know, you made the point, yeah, Kukin did step up in the playoffs last year, but that was after Nudavari got hurt. When Kukin when Kuch- stepped up and played his spot on the, on the second line, yeah. So, and I think that Nudavara, he he did not play very well this year, and I think some of that was still from, you know, recovering from the injury at the start of the season. Then he got hurt again, and then he came back, but I think he was still not maybe 100%, so I think that held him back. You know, if assuming that all the defensemen are fully healthy, I I wish that Nudovar's track record would be taken yeah. into account and in giving him the shot. But you know, maybe they feel like he hasn't had a great camp and that Kukin's had a better camp. Uh, and if so, okay, maybe give Kukin the the first nod. I think that whoever's playing with Murray in that spot, because Ryan Murray's so good, that that guy's going to do well. I also think that the third pair based on, on with this lineup with how good those first two pairs have been this season that, I mean, that's going to cover up to 50 minutes. Right. This, 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 this third so pair is going to be like 12 minutes a night, like anyway. 12, 10, 12 minutes. A night. Yeah. So, so that kind of minimizes the impact of it. Uh, you know, they, depending on how a guy plays game to game, there might be, yeah roster turn from game to game so maybe kukin gets game one nudavar gets game two we'll see how that goes now the thing that makes me even more mad than that and this might be just a little quibble that doesn't matter but so they list eight defensemen here for this practice line so the extras must have been skating separately so murray kukin nudavar then with scott harrington and in no universe should scott harrington be above andrew peak on the depth chart because Andrew Peak was playing so well this year. Now there, you know, a lot of guys, you know, Navarro was out, like two comes out, uh, you know, Jones was out, but Peak looked really good. And so like, so he might still be behind Navarro or Kukin. Fine. But he should three be or, I don't know. Scott Harrington. The, what are we doing? The, the contract remains the biggest. Like, like when they traded for David Clarkson, I understood it from a, financial aspect like this the, we don't have the money toronto does to stash him on ir and get nothing from that contract S- scott harrington's contract was just an own goal that's i mean it's it's an own goal the only thing i was thinking is that the term was meant so he would be a player eligible to be picked by seattle because we have, have to have a certain number of veteran players right. that are eligible to be drafted and so he could fill that role and this cap hit is negligible it's not an issue it's just the term was kind of a head scratcher right. of course not you but, know this, at this the, point the, to, you know to I have was, it to have him, to have him on the term is the right. right yeah yeah you don't you don't need you you sign him to the deal that doesn't mean you have to keep him in the press box you know you can just yeah you don't you can just keep him in the press box 
Um, side right. note, you were talking about... It, it, do, it doesn't mean that he should be have a spot on the depth chart, yeah. Right. Side note, you were talking about uh, guys. You were talking about guys eating minutes in the playoffs, PD. Um, do you know what? Do you have a guess what Seth Jones's uh, career ice time in the playoffs is? Like twenty six minutes. Twenty eight oh six a night. <laughs> yeah, I'm not but, surprised. Hey, He's like the leading ice getter. Is, is is that wrong? No, no. I, 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 Do you want to play I'm, any less I'm, than that? Believe no. me, I'm, no, I'm not saying that. And then if we go to Zach Warinsky, we, uh Z is averaging 25-21 a night. Uh, last I was year, about to say 25. Last yeah. year, or 25-21, last year in the playoffs, he averaged 26-37 so, in 10 games. So, okay, can we, can I, can I segue us a little? Sure. Can I segue? Sure. Um, for those of you uh, who like to venture around to other SB Nation blogs, um, I don't know if you saw it, and the reason I bring up these stats by our defensemen, uh, especially Ice Time, is that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, blog, Pension Plan Puppets, released their uh, beginning of their preview to the series today. And they talked about how Seth Jones and Zach Warinsky are fine but not great. Mm. <laughs> And it leads me to wonder if they, if the writer of that article has ever actually watched this hockey team play. Have they ever watched the Blue Jackets actually nah. play a hockey game and not just looked at stats? Because if you if you watch the Columbus Blue Jackets on for ten games a season, and your big takeaway is that Seth Jones is mediocre defensively, I'm sorry, I do not trust your hockey analysis whatsoever. That's just I just don't. I'm sorry, Seth Jones is. Seth Jones was a Norris finalist a few years ago. Probably would have been one if he didn't break his ankle this and the season paused this year. I don't know if that's true, but Seth Jones was excellent this year, and he is the rock that holds our blue line together. That's I don't understand how anyone can look at this team, which was one of the better teams in the NHL and, and goals allowed this year, and just say the anchor of that defense is fine. I mean, you, you, you look at a guy who, like, like Rasmus Ristolainen and say he's fine. I think Seth Jones is a little better than... Yeah, I think what they were looking at is, is numbers that show the number of shot, shot attempts given up by the Jackets defense, which, despite the reputation as a good defensive team, it is true that um, their shot attempt ratio was not looking great. Um, now, what some of the other articles that they've done in previewing this series have pointed out though, is that the Jackets defense has been very good at limiting high-quality chances. So Right, we don't, we don't give up shots in danger areas, and our ratio is bad because our off... Right, yeah, and I think she was thinking that, that um, you know, maybe that pair was not, or at least Jones is not helping as much offensively. Although they said that oh, Jones is better offensively than defensively, which I would not really agree with. That's definitely true with Wierenski. Jones, Jones, I think, is a lot more, more balanced, and I, I would give him his defense maybe the edge at this point, because he's just not as much of a a shooter as Wierenski is. Um, but yeah, that, that hopefully he is a hundred percent. Uh, cause yeah, we need that line to, to carry the load and, you know, be able to lock down those, those top two forward lines for Toronto. Cause they're just so strong. Just real fast. Going back to the Felino thing on the first line again, all I can really think is besides the fact that they used him on that line in the regular season, I keep thinking that for Torts, it's almost like he's a security blanket because you know a guy like Foodie is an unknown, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're he's he's a guy he's a guy that that Torts trusts, and I I think and what for what you were saying, seeds about what lines you put him on instead. I think yeah, Felino and Dubois have been used in a different way this year because Dubois has gotten a lot more offensive zone starts. And he is not trusted as much defensively by Torch, and I think that's appropriate. He still needs to develop defensively. And then I would agree with that. And then Felino, on the other hand, though, has gotten more defensive zone starts than offensive zone starts, which makes sense for how good defensively he's been this year. So if he's going to be on that first right. line, what kind of zone starts are you giving them? I think he should yeah, I think you're right that he should be with Jenner getting more starts in the defensive zone and then getting the puck up ice. Whereas Dubois and Bjorkstrand get them starting out in the offensive zone as much as possible. Although Bjorkstrand has been pretty strong defensively himself this year. Bjorkstrand, and, and that's, the one, that's the one thing about that Leafs preview that I will give them, is it's, uh, they, they said Oliver Bjorkstrand was the best Blue Jacket this season, and I can't disagree with that. Bjorkstrand had an outstanding season and probably would have hit 30 goals had they not paused it. Yeah, and, and that's been a, a, a stat 
hockey analytics consensus this year that the numbers really, really love what Bjorkstrand did. I, I know you wrote about him for the Selkie, or about Felino for the Selkie, but like I saw some people on Twitter, some of the analytics people, I can't remember if it was charting hockey or ineffective math, but someone was making an argument for Bjorkstrand for the Selkie because his defense was that good this year. Which I, I, I didn't dive into that as much as I love Bjorkstrand because I just he didn't play enough games for really to warrant consideration. Of course, neither did Patrice Bergeron, but anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that. Big reputation. So speaking of... So speaking of Patrice Bergeron, the Blue Jackets will be facing the Bruins Thursday in a little tune-up to the playoffs. I want to say preseason. It's like a pre-playoff game. But uh, so Columbus-Boston Thursday. So I'll let you guys dive into this more. But I just wanted to say, to me, it's sort of, I kind of like the idea of them playing Boston because, I mean, they played them in the playoffs last year. They could see them against uh, in the second round if they get past Toronto. And it's going to be, you would assume, chippy, the first real game of any kind really in months. And they played Boston twice and beat them. Not that that matters so much now, but from a confidence perspective, who knows? Anyway, uh, Seeds, I'll start with you. So Jackets, Bruins, uh, what do you think about that? I have one thought about that game and one thought only. What's the goaltending look like? What do they do in that? Because I want to watch how Corpus... I I assume they're going to give... 30 minutes each-ish or so to each of the goaltenders. Because I don't assume that Torts has made a decision yet. Both guys looked fine in camp. It sounded like, for the most part, it sounded like Elvis looked better, and then in the last scrimmage, he gave up 10 goals. Like, yeah, Cor- 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 Corby was the one who got shelled. He gave up seven goals in that scrimmage. Right. So, well, so, but yeah, so, so I assume the starting goaltender position is still up for grabs. So I want to see who comes out, who looks good, who looks calm and collected in net, who looks ready to handle the pressure of a best-of-five series. I mean, you got to come out and win three games. Both goaltenders showed in stretches this year they could win three in a row. Corpy had an outstanding month of December before he got hurt, and then Elvis went on a tear for the month of January. Like, both these guys can do it. It's just, who does it? That is that is my one and only thing I'm watching for Thursday night, goaltending. Uh, I'm going to be curious as to who Boston plays. I don't know if there's been any speculation about um, how they'll treat that game. Um, I would think it is less important for them because the three games that they have upcoming are not elimination games. So I think they could afford to maybe rest some guys in this game if they wanted to avoid risking injury. Um, and if they didn't care as much about those guys getting the rust off because their three placement games are where they get the rust off. Now, those games are important for seeding purposes because they're not like locked into that top seed like they were the, when the season stopped. Um, but but I, I imagine that they're not going to take that game seriously. Whereas I think the Jackets are going to want to play what their lineup will be or what they think it's going to be because they they need to get that rust off because every game matters after that. And because Torts was not happy at the end of camp with how some guys are playing. I think he's going to want to see them treat this like Shocker. a real game and put that effort in and and you know earn their spots going forward. I think it was. I think what what'll help the Jackets um, even going into that scrimmage is that one of those scrimmages they treat it before they left. They treat it as a like an actual game. You know, you show up at Nationwide, you get ready. You know, you could just go through your game day routine. The scrimmage was like seven o'clock, seven thirty, whatever it was. That's a that's you know, you, 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 I know it's hard to manufacture that, and you know when you're going home and hanging out during the day and you're just in a bubble. But like this is. You know, practicing a game day in a bubble when you're like, because I'm sure Torts told these guys like, "Hey, treat this scrimmage like you're in the bubble. Like, you know, you you know, you wake up that day, do whatever, come to the rink whenever, but you know, you have to just, you can't go anywhere else, you can't do anything else. You know, play some video games, take a nap, whatever it is you're going to do in the bubble, because it's, you know, we need to take this seriously and you know, get it because it's not only a physical rust you're going to have to knock off here; it's a mental rust and. You're going to have to be, like, the, the more mentally sharp team is going to win this, win the Stanley Cup this year. The most, the team who's most mentally there for, what is it, 70, 75 days is the one that's going to walk away with the Cup. And that is one thing I will credit John Tortorella about is that he knows how to motivate his guys. He knows how to keep them focused. He knows how to, you know, build a camaraderie with his team, you know. We, we've always talked about it in previews and, and articles and on pods with the, at the Canon, like, 
Torts is a Torts is a good guy to bring a team together because he brings those guys together to hate him, not each other. You know, you've got that commonality that they have. So I think this could actually really benefit the Jackets if they can score enough goals to take advantage of it. Which I feel like they didn't take advantage of it in that scrimmage on Tuesday. Um, I watched most of the first two periods of that and was not impressed by what I saw. I felt in the first period that things looked sluggish. Um, like there was rust. It just wasn't being played at a game pace. Um, and then I, I didn't catch the third period because I switched over to the crew game at that point. And, um, but, but, and the third period, though, is when it sounds like defense totally collapsed and, you know, Corpus Allo just got shelled for four goals. So, um, uh, so that hopefully against Boston, they come out a little bit sharper than that. I'm sure that Torps is going to be looking for that. Yeah. I feel like, you know what? I mean, I don't know. It's a scrimmage. So it's like, yeah, if they looked great, then fine. I think you would expect some rust, but also it gives Torts something to like really get on them about. And then they can hopefully bring that to Boston. So speaking of the jackets and leaves, what are your guys' thoughts on the strengths and weaknesses of both teams? Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting uh, battle of contrasts. Um, and, and, and reading the, the articles and the comments over at Pension Plan Puppets, uh, it's been interesting that they have a kind of similar outlook as we do, at, whereas, all right, Toronto is an offensive team and Columbus is a defensive team. And so it's a very much strength versus strength in that regard. Um, so Toronto's defense, not good. Um, so if anything can get the Jackets offense going, it should be the Toronto's defense. Um, and Frederick Anderson... I mean, there's no doubt that he's their guy, but this has not been a great season for him. So, you know, there's some question marks in net there. Uh, so this uh, could be an opportunity for the Jackets offense, but I am still worried about that Toronto offense because that is a test that these, this defense hasn't really faced. Now, the Jackets have played well against good teams. They've shut down good teams this year, but, uh, you know, Toronto's offense is really, really good and really, really stacked. Um, so that's that's going to be a big test for them. Uh, I think I'm kind of curious. The, my one hope for the Jackets is that maybe one of these younger players will step up and be that offensive spark that we've lacked all season. Uh, I think Emil Bemstrom is one to watch because uh, you know, he, he had a really rough go of it in the early part of the season. You know, he was just you know adjusting to the NHL life. Then he got hurt. But since he come back from injury, he was on fire, and uh, and he scored a really nice goal in that scrimmage where he actually beat Jones <laughs> to the puck and outraced Jones to get to the net. So I have uh, some hopeful for that. Liam Foody maybe could be an X factor, but someone's going to have to come up and be that guy to score goals for the Jackets because you know it's all well and good if we can hold Toronto to oh maybe just one or two goals, but where are one or two goals coming from? Because that's not obvious. Hopefully Bergstrand, hopefully Atkinson maybe steps up in a way that he wasn't able to do when he was healthy. Uh, but yeah, we need goals coming from somewhere. I'm just not sure where they're going to come from. Yeah, we, did, we didn't have a 25-goal scorer this year, guys. We only had two 20-goal scorers, uh, Bjorkstrand and Zach Wierenski. Um, which kudos to Z. He led all NHL defensemen in goals scored this year, which probably should have gotten him a Norris Trophy fi- uh, nomination if uh, John Carlson got one. So, so oh, there's gonna, obviously going to be a lot of comparisons drawn between this season's series against the Leafs and last year's series against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning because the, the Lightning last year were this powerhouse offense with the best power play in the league, the best penalty kill in the league. Uh, led the league in goals scored, were historically great, winning, blah, 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 blah. And then the Jackets shut him down. Uh, Jackets shut him down and swept him. This year, um, the Leafs do not have a defenseman of Victor Hedman's quality. Now, granted, Hedman wasn't healthy last year, but the Leafs don't have anyone even of that quality. They don't have anyone of 70% of Victor Hedman. Right. But what scares me the most about this series is that the Jackets haven't played the Leafs since the Leafs fired Mike Babcock back in October. They haven't played the Leafs under Sheldon Keefe, so they don't really know. They haven't. They haven't. I mean, they've seen this Leafs team in person, but they haven't seen them one since October, and they haven't seen them under the new coaching staff in person on the ice at all. So, 
I, I trust I trust the Jackets coaching staff to scout them. I trust the Jackets scouts to come up with a plan because they obviously did that against the Lightning, but against the Lightning last year, they had at least seen them a couple times. They'd been shelled by them a couple times. Remember, the Lightning game last year was a game where Bob walked out and was waiting on the bus. We haven't we haven't seen this new look Leafs team in person. You know, we were supposed to go up to Toronto the week after the NHL hit pause on the season, uh, which would have been you know really nice, you know, something to see before we we hit, we played the series. But obviously, we're gonna we're going to need someone to step up. Last year in the playoffs, we had. Uh, like we had like twelve guys score goals in the series or something like that, eleven, twelve, something like that. And uh, but the biggest part of beating the, the what what helped us beating the Lightning is Matt Duchesne and Artemi Panarin combined for twelve points in four games last year. We've got to we got to find a way to replace twelve points. Um, also, also the the, the major tr- factor in that series was Josh Anderson, and we're not going to have right. Yeah, it, and, we don't, and we don't have Josh on the forecheck. Uh, so yeah, it's. I think it's important to note what the Jacks are missing, and you know, and, and that and that really and that really and that brings up another point. Don't trade Josh Anderson. Stop trying to suggest it, <laughs> Blue Jackets fans. Yeah, it's absurd. And you know, Bobrovsky finally stepped up and had his Vesna form in that series. And you know, what what will we get in goal this time? You know, I think right. We've got, we've got to find a way. To, we, are capable of having a great series, but it's just not clear which one will, if one of them will, you know, we, that's, there's just a lot right. of unknowns for the Jacks. There's potential, but there's, 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 there's a lot of potential And and Corpus Allo has, uh, he's been, in, he's been in the playoffs before. Now, granted, these playoffs are entirely different than anything Corpus Allo has ever seen. They're great. They're different than anything anyone has ever seen. These guys haven't played in a half empty arena since they were what, <laughs> you know, major peewee major junior. I don't know. Or except when we played uh, Florida. <laughs> but yeah, so these guys like playing in an empty arena is going to be a whole new mental challenge for these guys. So I wonder, yeah. So it's basically going to come down to mental toughness and sticking to your game plan. I think is the, the more mentally tough team is going to win this series. And I and I'll just I'll, I'll just lay my cards on the table right here. Um, I think Torts is a better mental coach at this point than Sheldon Keefe is, and I think that that goes a long way in the Blue Jackets' favor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Now. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the predictions. So, Jackets, Leafs, which way are you guys leaning? So, I think it's going to be a four-game series. Uh, I think that each team is going to win a game decisively, and then I think the other two games are going to be close with at least one overtime game, maybe two. Um, I think either team is capable of winning it. Gun to my head, though, I think Toronto gets the win just because they have they've got the best players. You know, if you if you look at the, both rosters, the top four 
players are all Toronto players, and I think that's going to be the difference. I disagree that the top four are Toronto players. I'll give you the best two. I think Jones is better than Mitch Marner, and I would put Marner third, or fourth, excuse me. Um, I think Seth Jones is that good. And when you've, got a def- when you've got a number one defenseman who can eat 30 minutes against the other team's best players, that goes a long way. And you've also got a guy like Zach Wierenski who can score goals, who can play fairly well defensively, and you've got a shut-down defensive pairing that can also play 24 minutes a night behind them in David Savard and Vladislav Gavrikov. Gabrikov was, for me, not the best Blue Jacket this year, but he was the most impressive. I thought he would be good when he came over this year. I did not expect this dude to come over and be the poor man's Victor Hedman because he was outstanding in his defensive zone this year. So, I think in a, in a short series where... Goaltending matters in defense and preventing goals matters. The Jackets have the better goalies with a chance of getting hot. They have a better defense who can prevent quality shots against quality opponents better than the opponent. I am predicting the Jackets win this game, win this series in four games. And I am predicting that the Blue Jackets win at least two of these games decisively because I think they prevent two, I think they prevent Toronto from getting to their quality areas. Toronto likes a long possession cycle the puck type of series. That's how they like to play offense. They like to keep the puck. They like to catch defenders out of position. They like to catch teams cheating to beat scorers. When you've got guys like Felino, Bjorkstrand, Jones, Warinsky, Gavrikov and Savard, and we're not even, this isn't even mentioning Ryan Murray, who is an excellent defenseman when healthy in his own right. I mean, we have to remember when healthy, Ryan Murray was the number two overall pick and looked excellent in last year's playoffs until he went down with an injury. And all we, all we need from Murray is three or four games. And if we can get that, I think the Jackets can score just enough and hold Toronto off the score sheet to win this series. I'm picking the Jackets in four games, and I feel really confident about it. Yeah, I'm going to take the Jackets in five. Um, I think I could see it being a five-game series either way, but I'll, I'll go with Columbus. Um, so much time off between the last game you know, in March and now, and this could go either way, but I'll go with Columbus in five. All right, so looking at the other games real fast, so Blackhawks and Oilers, how are you guys seeing that one kind of play out? Oilers in three because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, I think that the Blackhawks uh, are just not a strong enough enough team. That's there's there's not going to be a and yeah, Corey Crawford's out, and so they've got you know Malcolm Subban as the starter. Uh, Delia, this is not the NCAA tournament. There's not going to be a twelve five upset in this. Uh, I, I feel I I think I, so. They're actually taking four goalies. Crawford is going to make the trip, but he was going. He got over COVID also, so who, and he just made. He just got on the ice. I think Saturday, like in a brief little practice. So I don't know what kind of situation he's going to be in to play anyway. Uh, so you said Oilers in the sweep for both you guys. Yeah, I've got the Oilers in three. I do think they'll win that series. So Jets and Flames. What do you guys think about that one? Uh, I think I think that's I'm going to give the edge to Calgary on that one. Um, it might go five just because of Connor Hellebuck and Net, but I don't think the Jets have a lot going for them besides that this year. As it seeds, I think you've talked about this before that <laughs> without that great goaltending, uh, the Jets would have been a pretty bad team this year. Right. The uh, so my my big my big hill that I'm me me and apparently Ryan Lambert are willing to die on is that. Uh, Connor Hellebuck should have been a Hart Trophy finalist this year. If you look at the year uh, Carey Price won the won the Hart Trophy, Montreal was middling in most most not only standard stats but uh, underlying numbers. And Carey Price will pitch like a nine thirty and won the Vesna. If you look at Winnipeg stats, they were horrific. They were down by like L.A. and Anaheim and Detroit in most underlying stats. And Connor Hellebuck. Like that team, that team was in a playoff position when the season ended by points because Connor Hellebuck was like out of his mind this season. I I think Calgary wins this series, 
But if you told me Connor Hellebuck just came back and was still nuts and won it, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm going to pick Calgary in five, but I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets won it just because Hellebuck's out of his mind good and should have been a heart finalist. Respect goaltenders. Yeah, for sure. I'll take the Flames in five. So uh, Coyotes, Predators. Coyotes have a little bit of underlying duress going on in the front office. But anyway, Coyotes and Predators on the ice, what do you think? I think the the Predators, despite being like underperforming this year, uh, I think they've got more. They got horses. More of those kind of elite players. If you, if you go by that count, um, and I mean the Coyotes, they did pick up Kessel and Taylor Hall, but uh, you know I don't know that they've necessarily clicked or, or made the team that much better or anything. And uh, I don't I don't think that their GM quitting <laughs> abruptly. I don't think that affects what they're going to be doing on the ice. Um, but I think I don't think they're as much as the sum of their parts, and I think the the Predators uh, have more guys and with the experience that they'll be able to pull that one. Off. So uh, my prediction for this, for at least for Game One, so hockey starts at noon on Saturday the first, and the final game drops the puck at ten thirty on s- Saturday night. So I'm predicting nap time wins Game One at two p.m. on Sunday because that is <laughs> I am going to sleep straight through the straight through this series. Both teams are boring. Both teams are middling. Uh, I guess I'm going to pick the Predators because I like the Preds. I miss you, PK Subban. You should still be Duchesne. a Predator. I miss Matt Duchesne. But I promise you I'm not going to watch one full game of this series for the entire thing. Nashville has the better centers. They'll win that series. I guess I'll take the Predators in five. Uh, I like Duchesne and some of those guys that they've got. I feel like they have a little bit – I don't know. You could say Kessel has experience, but I feel like Nashville should win that series. We'll see. Uh, so the Wild and the Canucks. Wild. I'm taking the Canucks right off the bat, but Wild and Canucks, I mean, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah, that, that that's, that's going to be a Canucks sweep. I, I think the Canucks they, – they've got the pieces to make a real deep run there in the Western Conference. I really do. What team has Elias Pedersen? They're winning that series. Yeah. Well, and, and not just him, but also Quinn Hughes and Jacob Marks has been solid in net. Uh, and the, you know, got Brock Besser. Like that's, they've got a lot of weapons there in, in Vancouver finally. So uh, yeah, I, I think, I think they're really strong. So this one I think is interesting. Uh, Rangers and Hurricanes. I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking New York, but what do you guys, where do you guys lean? This is going to be the best series of the first round, and I'm going to watch every single second of it. I cannot wait for this series. It's going to be so much fun. You've got, got, you got offensively talented guys in Carolina like Svechnikov. You've got, obviously, Artemi Panarin, Hart Trophy finalist, deservedly so. He was incredible this year. Miss you, miss you Breadman. Please come back. <laughs> um I I cannot wait for this series. Uh, it doesn't look like Dougie Hamilton's going to play for Carolina, which sucks. Um, I really wish we could have seen both these guys, both these teams at full strength. But, man, this series is going to be awesome. And I'm going to pick uh, New York in five because I believe in the bread, man. Yeah, I hope for a lot of, like, high-paced, high-scoring games. Uh, I forget where I saw the take first, but it was saying that the Rangers are maybe the worst possible matchup for the Hurricanes. You know, like that was the the lower seated team, lower seated lower than them, that would cause the most problems for them, and I and I agree that that's the case. Um, I would maybe give a slight edge to the Hurricanes, but I think that's definitely one that the Rangers could win. Yeah, I'll take the Rangers in four. Uh, so Pan- Panthers and Islanders, um, Bob against the Islanders. <laughs> No, so seeds. This are, I think that this is the the nap time series. There's nothing about this that seems interesting to me to watch, and a lot of that is because of the Islanders and the way that they play. But I don't think the Panthers have been a very interesting team this year either. Uh, I, I think the the Islanders' offense against you know Bob and the Panthers' defense is like the uh, the stoppable force against the movable object. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't that series does not interest me at all. Can they both lose? Can they just give a team a bye? I'll take the Islanders on it, but yeah. Whatever. Um, I, I guess I'll... I guess I'll... I'm going to pick the Islanders only because that Florida defense is so damn bad. Like, that... For the, like, I don't... I, like, I'm trying to find a reason to pick the pick the Panthers, and I just can't get there. Picking, I'm picking the Islanders because that... Because that, that the Florida blue line is. Yeah, just I'm taking the Islanders. Bad. 
Now, uh, Canadians and penguins, what do you think there? Yeah, so I've been wanting to talk about this for a while because people keep suggesting that like this oh, this has upset potential. No, this doesn't have upset potential. This is absurd. People are like, oh, the Carey Price can like steal this short series. No, 2016 Carey Price is not walking through that door. That's right. absurd. Have you guys, have you guys looked at a Carey, have you guys looked at a Carey Price statistic in the last five years? Well, Good he, God, he has had a better year this year. Yes, but this is the Pittsburgh Penguins, and there's going to be. Full strength. Like, is what, what, team has, what team has Crosby and Malkin? Yeah, but it just, you, Crosby and Malkin, that's enough. They've got questions in net. That's, you know, they've got Jack Johnson, and he could be a, a negative X factor. But regardless, they've got Crosby and Malkin. Who's and got Crosby and Gensel. Malkin? And who's the who's other yeah. team? Uh, what, what, what? Yeah, oh yeah, they're getting Jay Gensel back. Um, what team has Crosby and Malkin as their top two centers? And what team's center, number one center, is Max Domi? Um, the team with Crosby and Malkin wins win this series in three games. Yeah, I could see it maybe four, but now I also wanted to get your thoughts real fast. Who do you think will end up getting Alexis Lafreniere? Because whoever loses this thing has a chance at the first pick. Montreal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be Montreal. <laughs> Montreal. I mean, if, if the NHL is smart is smart enough to like rig things, which I'm not sure that they are, but if they were, then then Montreal is the perfect destination for him. So, uh, and that I think that would be a a just outcome as well. You know, I don't so en- so enjoy Sunrise, Florida, Alexis Lafreniere. <laughs> oh, and for the top seeds, do you think uh, who do you think ends up with those? Uh, you know, those top top seeds with Boston, Tampa, Washington, uh, I, the West. <laughs> what I'm rooting for is is for the order to be what it was when the season ended. I don't want things to shuffle up uh, just because I it's a. Like I, I get that we wanted those teams to play so that they would be on even footing by having kind of real game action. Uh, I wish that it had been maybe weighted so a team like Boston would have had to like just really, really crap the bed to not get the top seed in the East. Um, so I hope that there's not a lot of drama in that. And I'm really, I'm not as interested in those games. You know, if they're on, maybe I'll watch, but I'm more interested in the series that have elimination picks. All right, so so what do I think it'll be? What do I think it will be? I think it'll be Boston and Vegas as the number one seeds. What do I want? I think now, Grant, I picked Vegas. What do I want? I want Tampa in the East because over the last fifty games, Tampa had a better points percentage than the Boston Bruins did. Tampa started slow, but over the last fifty played, Tampa was unreal. Tampa was last year's Tampa Bay. In the West, I want the Avalanche. I am all in on the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup this year. I want that team to do so much good. I love watching Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen play. I love watching Kale McCarr. I want the Avalanche to come out of the West. I want I want a Blue Jackets Avs Stanley Cup final. That's yeah, if, what I if want. If the Avalanche are fully healthy, I, I think they can. Yeah, rest. they could do something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're. Nathan McKinnon is going to win the Hart Trophy this year, and he's going to deserve it. That that team is so fun and so awesome to watch when they're healthy. I cannot wait to watch every second of Colorado Avalanche hockey this year. It's, this, it's this, insane in how weeks. horrible that team was, like, what, four years ago, and now they're finally where, you know, <laughs> it's... it's And, and like... And, and, and related to that, they, that year they were terrible. They Remember, they dropped down to the fourth pick. They fell down to the fourth pick. You guys remember who they picked fourth overall that year? McCarr, Kale yeah, McCarr. Yeah. Kale McCarr. So it all is not lost to Detroit Red Wings fans. Um, yeah. It's always, it's always. Sorry, sorry, you're not, sorry, you're not getting uh, Alexis Lafreniere, but you're, uh, you can find your own Kale. It's McCarr so funny, Detroit. Uh, I'll never get over that. But <laughs> anyway, so that that pretty much wraps up. Uh, what we've got for this week, obviously some exciting action ahead of us. Uh, looking forward to, I'm just looking forward to games again, Columbus and Boston, even on Thursday. So yeah. it'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's so weird because opening Guys. night was almost a year ago and we're getting ready for the playoffs now. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. I, 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 for the longest time thought this was a dumb idea and I still don't think it's the smartest thing to do, you know, I just kind of want to touch on before we sign off that, you know, we're recording this on Monday night and today we saw the, the Miami Marlins have this massive outbreak of COVID. They, they've obviously shut down the Marlins. They've postponed the Yankees Phillies series, or at least tonight's game. Um, 
we've had all kinds of issues, but by all the the NHL announced that they tested like forty three hundred players last week and they returned zero positives. The MLS has pulled this off. Um, they're into the knockout stages. Go crew. Um, the NHL seems like they've thought their bubble out the best, and you know they're not going to let players like randomly wander into strip clubs. Shout out, <laughs> yeah. <Williams>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think once they got to the bubble, they started testing guys. Daily testing is a thing. Um, the NHL really has a chance of pulling this off. Uh, I, I thought it was dumb trying to come back, but if you're going to come back, they're doing it in the best way. And I'll be honest, I'm going to watch every dumb second of this tournament. Like I, I've, I've got a second 50 inch. I'm planning on bringing out in the living room, and I'm just going to have hockey on all weekend. Like I cannot yeah. wait for this. Oh, I'm yeah, stoked. So like, like, we, we've seen from the, the NWSL, MLS, the NBA so far that bubbles work. That once you get the bubble set up, that they've been effective in you know. Keeping seems to having positive tests. So quarantining guys who like might have been exposed or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. If the, the bubble system guys, works, if they can. Yeah, and then, and yeah, and I'm excited to see what these broadcasts are like. I've heard that there's going to be some additional additional camera angles because there's no fans in the stands that can set up more cameras. I'm excited to see what they do with that. If there's anything different about these broadcasts, uh, so it's but yeah, I'm just happy to have live sports back. I've enjoyed having baseball back. Uh, this yeah. weekend, I've I've been watching you know the crew in the MLS tournament, and that's been really exciting because they've been playing really great. Uh, so it's I I've, I've got out of the habit of watching live sports because there wasn't anything to watch, but now we've got a smorgasbord of it, and and yeah, I could not be more excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I have P- two weeks of PTO coming up, and I didn't even plan this, but I get to watch hockey starting Monday, well Saturday, but and then Monday and Tuesday, etc., on throughout the afternoon. So I'm looking forward to oh, that. But so good. <laughs> Yeah, my, my, my final my final thought of this whole thing is the NHL, I, I hope the biggest takeaway from this bubble environment and this the way they're running this tournament is they do the first round of the playoffs in the future like this and just run games all, you know, start, start the play, because the NHL usually starts the playoffs on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Start the playoffs on a Saturday afternoon and just run hockey all day long. Like, it's like March Madness. Madness. March Madness, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Do, do your March Madness because, like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm the kind of guy that I would post up on a bar at noon oh, and just yeah. watch hockey all day long. Like, I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, I've been playing. Like, once they announce the broadcast, and and every game critically is on like broadcast television. I can watch every game I want to without trying to find some illegal cable hookup. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for Saturday and to watch all this hockey. I've missed the sport. I've missed the discourse around it. I've missed interactions with hockey Twitter. I've just while while I while I'm you know still concerned a little bit about safety. Man, I cannot just wait to watch hockey. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to like I said Thursday and especially the weekend. So. Yeah, it's going to be good. So uh, that's pretty much what we've got for this week, and we will see you all next week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go check it out. Check her out at AngelaPearlie.com, and you should also check out Angela Pearlie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos of live stream concerts from her home during the stay-at-home period. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at cbjcannon and comment on jacketscannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Black.